I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Society is very good at telling us just how wonderful being a parent is. I don't think I was the only one who imagined dreamy days getting to know my baby, imagining a warm home, calm and happy, where I fed and fell in love with my child. And while it is amazing, the vision I had was highly romanticised and bore absolutely no resemblance to my reality. I think all mothers struggle at some point, but for some mothers, that struggle is especially hard because they're suffering from a hormone imbalance, which is postnatal depression. And this is the part of motherhood we're not very good at talking about. While we're great at shouting about how much we love our children, posting pictures of the good bits, there's not much dialogue about when it's not that perfect, which is why I've got two people here today, both of whom know a lot about postnatal depression. Um, so I'm here with my co-founder, Kiara, Dr. Kiara Hunt. Welcome, morning, Kiara. Morning. And I've also got, or we've also got, Rosie Trotter, who is a mother of two, soon to be three, um, who has written openly about her experience of postnatal depression. Rosie, thank you so much for coming along to talk about this today. Hi there, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's not the most glamorous subject, but it is so important that we're having this conversation. And, you know, 10 years ago, no one was having this conversation. Yeah, I so agree. I think having a voice nowadays is just... A really important thing to do make people feel they're not alone yeah I mean I've spoken to a few people just this morning saying I'm coming along to record a podcast about postnatal depression and everyone looked at me and said thank you this is such an important thing that we're talking about so Kiara why don't you start us off let's just talk briefly about what is postnatal depression so it's surprisingly common. I see a lot of patients in my practice with postnatal depression. And if you look at the statistics um, officially, it's about one in 10 mothers. 10% of people who've had a baby will have some sort of symptoms of postnatal depression. And probably it's actually a bit more than that because that's people who actually go to their doctor. But it is different from the baby blues. Lots of people will have the baby blues. About 80% of women will have the baby blues. And that is feeling tearful, feeling emotional, feeling... Uh, confusing emotions uh, in that first week or after your baby's born often feeling quite overwhelmed quite anxious but those symptoms pass within five to ten days of your baby being born and postnatal depression is different because sometimes it is a pers- it's it, it's the the baby blues persisting and just not going away and you're finding that a month two months three months in you're still feeling the same way or sometimes you've had the baby blues you feel better and then later on in that first year after your baby's born you start having symptoms of of depression and it is the same sort of symptoms that you get when you're depressed but it is triggered by the hormone change that happens when you have when you have a baby and that alters the brain chemicals that control your emotions and you get 
clinical depression. And many mothers sort of begin to feel depressed, increasingly despondent, hopeless, feeling that they're um, sort of feeling of rejection by their friends, their family, sometimes feeling that their baby's even rejecting them, sometimes having really scary thoughts about harming their baby or about harming other people even, or just having negative emotions around those people that they really love. A lot of people have trouble sleeping, you know, your baby's fast asleep and you just can't go to sleep or you wake up really early, worrying, anxious thoughts, sort of catastrophization, thinking that something awful is going to happen all the time, never wanting to go out. All these symptoms are, are, are typical of postnatal depression. And it's a miserable, miserable place to be. You know, the simplest things become impossible. Just getting out of the house, even just doing the simple household chores or getting your baby dressed. And many people, if they don't address it, will stop, you know, caring about what what they're wearing, stop putting makeup on, stop washing even, stop looking after the house, stop looking after their baby properly. And it can become a really, really dark place to be. And and you talk about addressing it. So how is it treated typically? So, I mean, I think the important thing to remember is that there are different categories of postnatal depression. And we as doctors categorize into mild, moderate or severe. And mild postnatal depression can be treated with simple lifestyle changes, with simply acknowledging that there is a problem, talking to people about it. Sometimes it's just talking to your friends, your family about how you're feeling and having people around you a lot of the time, making sure you're getting out of the house, doing exercise on a regular basis, eating healthily, little and often, and just putting a few support measures in place People, un- people around you understanding that this is an illness that actually needs that you need support with. So resting when you when you can rest. Someone coming in to ha- take the baby, your mother or mother-in-law or sister, so that you can rest. Sometimes it's as simple as that. But um, a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's not enough. And psychological therapies will be really, really helpful. So those are categorized into sort of self-help. So there's a lot of fantastic online resources for self-help, which is often remotely uh, monitored by a psychologist. Talking treatments, so there's cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's a type of therapy that helps break negative thinking patterns. So, for example, mothers who... You know, a lot of mothers think that they have to do everything perfectly. And, you know, we all know that that's not, a re- that's not realistic. But a CBT will help try and b- break those sort of patterns to more realistic and healthy ones. Or there's um, interpersonal psychotherapy, which is sort of talking about change and how you might change the situation you're in at the moment to, to, to make it a bit easier. And then, of course, there's, there's uh, antidepressant medication. And Interestingly, 50% of all women who have postnatal depression will end up needing antidepressant medication. And there's a lot of stigma around this that, that is, is ridiculous because if you need it, you need it. And depression, whether it's postnatal or otherwise, is an illness that sometimes needs treating with medication. And if you have diabetes when you're pregnant or diabetes when you're breastfeeding, you're not going to stop taking your medication because you need to stay well. And you have to think constantly, and this is something I discuss with my uh, patients often, you have to think constantly about you know, what, the, uh, what the negative implications of not taking medication and therefore not getting better are on not just your child, but everyone around you, your family, your friends, your, 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 your baby, your, the baby's siblings. So antidepressant medication is, is, often, is often needed and is often really useful. But not, doesn't ha- you don't have to be on it. 
And Rosie, what was your experience uh, of postnatal depression? Was it something that was on your radar? Well, no, absolutely the opposite. I, having done the bump class with you both, <laughs> came out of the session about postnatal depression thinking, I, you know, that's probably definitely not the route that I'm going to be going down, um, naively thinking that. Um, and that was because you had never had an experience of depression in the past? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate with my health um, throughout my life and generally, you know, quite a positive, happy person. And so I think that's why it particularly hit me like a bolt from the blue. Kiara really hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, feeling like you can't cope with the day to day. That was just this sort of overriding feeling that I had. I couldn't, I couldn't get out the door myself, let alone with my new baby. And just the tears would not stop. It was relentless. And it was completely, it, it, it broke, it really broke me because, you know, when you've, there's always that feeling when you've been crying that you don't really want people to see because you feel a bit hopeless. And so when there's a stigma around crying, like you can't cry in public. And I mean, we're not afraid to sneeze in public. (laughs) Exactly. So um, I felt very caged at home and I felt like I absolutely couldn't cope on my own um, and just needed to be with someone at all times, not just um, my amazing little baby. And did you, what was the sort of time frame? Did you have the sort of baby blues and then it went away and then you noticed it a little bit longer after or? Well, I wasn't aware of the baby blues. I guess looking back, and I'm learning a lot about looking back on what I went through. I did have a slightly traumatic birth. Tilly, I was induced and Tilly arrived very quickly. She suffered shock and had um, a couple of infections that they couldn't work out what it was so we were in NICU for a few nights and then back on the ward and then home but we fell into the arms of an amazing maternity nurse and you know I was so fortunate to have that and she was with us for a month um, and I remember the last week of her with us thinking oh my god she's about to leave I mean I'm how am I going to cope I had my husband around who was completely supportive and there for me at all times and he was taking the week off after she left But I was dreading that because I knew that that week was going to come to an end. And it was just really feeling just like it was such a bleak outlook. And so I think it was around week five when I was um, feeding Tilly at 5am, one of those hardcore middle of the night feeds. Um, And I called my sister. Um, Again, I've been always so fortunate to have a really supportive family. And I called her and just said what is going on here I just it this is not me you know I'm I'm not coping and did you have an inkling that this was postnatal depression or because it was so far off your radar did you just think yeah I didn't I'd been scrolling through every website possible to see if I ticked any of the boxes and I ticked all the boxes apart from the main one which was this normally affects people who've suffered from depression previously Mm. so I guess I wrote it off in my mind that it could be postnatal depression until I hopped in a cab and went to see Kiara um and that was quite a euphoric moment speaking to a health professional who also knew me pre-baby um and knew that I wasn't a depressive character and that this really was so out of character and did anyone else in your family sort of pick it up and say Rosie this doesn't seem normal or did it come from you saying I don't feel myself. Because very often it's someone else picking it up, isn't it, Kira? Yeah, it's very often uh, your partner, husband, mother, sister, someone who knows you well, or doctor if you're lucky enough to have a doctor who knows you well, who, who says, this is not you, you're not behaving like yourself, and do you think something might be wrong? Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think this came from me, actually. And I think, although everybody was incredibly supportive around me, I don't think anyone imagined that 
it was postnatal depression because I think they had the same views that, as I did that it does tend to affect people who've who've had depression and, before. And, and they're right in, in a sense and it is definitely more common if you've suffered from depression or any other mental health uh, illness in the in the past pre-baby but it can come out of the blue yeah. uh, and it does often come out of the blue uh, for many mothers. Yeah. And was it your sister who said you need to go and see a doctor and that's what sort of spurred you to go and see Kiara? Yeah, she just said, look, I don't think it would hurt. She said, if anything, they'll rule it out, you know, but I think that you might feel really reassured to have a doctor's take on this. And you know Kiara and she knows you, so, you know, you've got nothing to lose. And um, yeah, it was definitely the best step and the biggest step of the whole process that I had to take. And once I'd done that, I really felt like I was on the road to recovery well very often just taking that step and sort of admitting okay I'm not feeling myself and seeing a professional people often walk out and say I already feel better mm. I mean obviously they're not better but they are feeling like okay I'm doing something about this yeah. there is a solution yeah I will get better exactly I think that's just I still remember the journey home thinking oh my goodness there's there's a life out there yeah because I was going to say you know postnatal depression that's quite potentially a scary diagnosis you know um but it's interesting that you felt relieved that it had been diagnosed and that there was a problem presumably that it was fixable yes I mean a huge sense of relief I think I didn't know how I would feel I guess I again until I walked into that appointment I wasn't thinking that it was going to be postnatal depression but it's a bit like if you go into the doctor with any sort of ailment you you hope for a a conclusive result on what is causing the problem so to hear Kiara say look this is you know a form of depression that you're suffering and it's completely thrown in with all the you know the baby things that were all those sort of hurdles and um, it's normal and it's a chemical imbalance and you know it sort of just reassured me and um, and yeah I did I felt a huge sense of relief that there was a name to be given to how I was feeling not just me not coping and presumably that it's treatable I mean yes. that in itself is amazing to yes hear. yes and exactly. to know that it will get better and that yeah. everyone with postnatal depression does get better yeah exactly treated and how quickly did you feel better well like we were just saying I did walk out of that appointment thinking wow my god feel like a different person already just having made that step I did start a course of antidepressants Kiara was great at explaining all the routes that I could take but I knew that I just I, I wasn't I wasn't having suicidal thoughts but I I just couldn't cope any longer in that state of mind it was a pretty dark place and so I felt for me that antidepressants was definitely the best quickest fix um, because it's also the feelings you're feeling are unexplainable a lot of patients you know come to me and they say everything is great I've got my baby my husband's really supportive my family are all around me I've I I, I don't have any financial worries I'm I'm doing all the things I should be doing I'm eating well I'm exercising yet I still feel like this exactly and and that's you know that's the difficult one isn't it that's that's the scary bit that's the bit that really can make you feel like you're failing because you're like I've got no reason you know I've got an amazing family an amazing husband I've got everything you know everything is right essentially in this period of my life and yet I'm just feeling like this is the worst time in my life I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today 
And how quickly do those antidepressants kick in? Is it like a painkiller and you like literally in an, in half an hour's time you feel better or? <laughs> <There's> definitely, no. <laughs> if only. <laughs> I, I, I felt like it was a sort of placebo effect. You know, you, you take one and you think, oh, I think I'm sort of feeling better. <laughs> um, but um, it's, it's uh, I'd say for me, it was sort of two to three weeks until I was feeling back on track yeah. and so there, most people feel start to feel an improvement after about a week and then mm. you know not the, the sort of maximum improvement yes yeah, so it's sort of three to four weeks down the line and, and Kiara why is there a stigma around taking antidepressants what well, people feel that they're going to be on them for the rest of their lives I think there's a combination of the st- of the stigma which there is unfortunately around any sort of mental health illness then thinking if I start antidepressants now does that mean I will be on and off them all all, all my life and and that's an important thing to explain to to women is that this is a transient depression this is not depression that um that that affects people you know when they're not pregnant that can come and go quite a lot throughout their lives this will go once it's gone and yes if you have another baby that might come back but it's not something that's going to be plaguing you for the rest of your life um and then of course a lot of people are breastfeeding around this time so there's the obvious worry about taking any medication when you're breastfeeding so being able to have that that conversation with women and reassure them that there are lots of uh, medications that are very extensively um, trial to, to and have shown to be safe in breastfeeding um, but it's always about weighing up the risks versus the benefits and mm. like Rosie's saying in her case it was very very clear that medication was going to be the route that was going to be the most uh, sensible and appropriate for her because actually you think you, you you know you think about the negative effects of of not getting better on everything and that's got to be you know that's got to play an important role in your decision making. Rosie, how honest were you with your friends and, uh, you know, about how you're feeling? Because you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's such a lot of pressure on us. That, oh, you must have, you've got a baby, you must be so happy. I remember hearing that, you must be so happy. You know what, genuinely, I wasn't, and I didn't have postnatal depression. I was just tired mm. and a bit bored <laughs> and kind of wishing I had a little bit of time to myself. Yeah. Were, you, did, were you honest with people how you, about how you were feeling? Yeah, I was really honest with my very close friends in that, you know first few weeks when I was just feeling completely sort of erratic hormonally and and upset and and everybody said you know don't worry you know it's it's tough this first bit you'll be fine just kind of grit your teeth you know and again I don't think anybody knowing me as they all did just thought surely it can't be anything more serious than that so they were all um, very supportive um, and then when I actually got diagnosed I, I have always been quite open about talking about it because that has helped me um, I found that just after I'd seen Kiara um, I got in touch with a friend of a friend who I'd been told three friends had also suffered and she came over for a coffee the following day and just we just talked and it was so reassuring to speak to somebody who'd been there and come out the other side and she was about to have her second baby and it also helped that she wasn't one of my best friends so she kind of just told me how it was for her um, and I think from then on I learned a lot from that just that actually talking to people and the right people about what you you're going through or what you've been through is is part of the healing process but again you know everybody experiences things in very different ways and so maybe you need to be a little bit selective about who you do speak to um but I know that 
close family and friends is is for me it was always going to be an obvious route to take but I think like you say um, having contact with someone who's or people or a community who've experienced postnatal depression as with any illness I think a lot of people find that very very helpful and very comforting to know that a you're not the only one and b that people get better and 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 can go on to provide support and there's lots of support out there and there's there's even on twitter there's there's a hashtag um I think it's hashtag PND chat, uh, which is really good. A lot of people have found that's that's useful, yeah. or um, or net mums and and you know various other resources where you can speak to people who have been experiencing similar things. Yeah. Well, and also doing these podcasts, you know, we've talked a lot about the kind of less salubrious parts of being a parent and you know baby loss miscarriage and very often people find that when they're in this situation it's difficult enough but it's added difficulty that you feel tremendously isolated and that's partly because they are you know I mean postnatal depression I don't think you can even call it that rare if it you know if it affects 10% of the population but you know, the fact is that no one talks about it, mm. that people have experienced postnatal depression, people have had miscarriages, but no one knows about them because no one talks about them. And that's mm. because society doesn't feel like it allows you to. Did you, do, you, do you feel that people contact you because it's sort of known and you've been very honest in your sort of writing about it? People kind of will call you up and, and seek your advice. Yeah, I've, I've actually consequently from talking about it and from the article that I wrote, um, a lot of people got in touch, um, certainly on Facebook. And then for years after, I've had a sort of steady stream of people getting in touch saying, you know, I hope you don't mind me getting in touch, but so-and-so mentioned that you've been through this and... I'm weathering a bit of a storm and is this normal? And it's it's so nice to feel like you can just share your experiences and help other women going through what can be otherwise a really miserable time. So, and yeah. you know, as, as you said before, it is a different experience for everybody. Yes. And, you know, the important thing is not to, not to sort of get too obsessed with one person's experience because you know someone might have got through it with just a bit of exercise and support from their mother and exactly. other people will have need to be hospitalized as a result of postnatal depression so there is huge there are huge um, a huge spectrum of different presentations and different treatments yeah um so the important thing is is to speak to people and then to get help from a professional yeah I mean, you talked about um, there being sort of various risk factors, Kiara, in terms of getting postnatal depression. If you are at risk, is there anything you can do to prevent it? So, yeah, I mean, the risk factors are, are obviously, as we said, having had it before, being isolated when you have a new baby, which unfortunately in our society, a lot of people are now. So not yeah. having the support of family and friends and maybe not accessing the support in the local community. Having a traumatic birth can definitely, or, or having a sick baby after birth, can, definitely increases the the likelihood that you're going to struggle a little bit emotionally, and that can trigger it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a traumatic birth is often dependent on how prepared you are for the type of birth you eventually have. So definitely, you can prepare for it by being very open-minded with regard to what birth you might have, and knowing a bit about you know about complications that can happen, and sort of accept it. Um, um, but uh, yes, there are other things. If you if you know you're at risk of postnatal depression, so if you've had postnatal depression before, or if you've had depression before, then then sometimes starting antidepressant medication in that pregnancy can really help. Yeah. If it's a particularly hormonal form of depression where hormone treatment's been helpful in the past, then um, take some. There are some studies that studies uh, recently to show that taking certain hormones um, immediately after labour and for the first few weeks after delivery can help. So um, there are things you can do, but also setting yourself up 
to have good support yeah. and so making sure that someone is with you yeah. a lot of the time in those early few weeks making sure that um you know you've got friends saying can you just call me a couple of times a week and tell, make me go out mm. um make, make sure your husband take if your partner can take paternity leave that that does happen yeah. um incorporate exercise into your into your day kind of plan that before you even baby's born and that doesn't mean you have to go to the gym that's just a brisk, brisk walk around the park pushing the pram it's fine you know yeah. making sure you're eating healthily not drinking not smoking those things like that make a big difference and presumably having a low threshold then for seeking help if you are feeling quite low yeah because there's no doubt that early intervention i.e., getting help early uh, makes a huge difference in terms of outcome and how quickly you get better Definitely. You mentioned hormones, Kiara. I mean, I know that there's sort of chatter about consumption of placentas and the hormones, uh, the hormones from there. What, what's the thinking behind that? And uh, is there any evidence? Th- so, I mean, th- th- there's no evidence that that makes any difference at all. I mean, the theory is that there are there, your ho- ho- placenta does contain some hormones, and possibly taking hormones can make a difference. But there is there is no no data that that uh, works at all. There's some um, there's some evidence, but it's not it, it's not validated yet that progesterone immediately after can help um, so but uh, it, th- that is not sort of mainline treatment and certainly evidence base is that is that talking treatments or, or antidepressant medication work much better yeah. and Rosie obviously you're here with a, a little bump uh, mm. your third child is coming in the spring are you what did you do differently in your second pregnancy and third pregnancy so um, my second pregnancy a little was a little bit of a blur uh, Lockie came along quite quickly after Tilly, so I guess I was quite preoccupied with a toddler, a baby, really looking at photos of her. Um, and I did then experience perinatal depression. So I'd come off my antidepressants after about eight months. Um, and then when I was about a month off my due date for Lockie, I suddenly weathered a real wobble and it all felt quite familiar so I got in touch with Kiara quite quickly and said I'm not sure what's going on here but it feels quite similar to what I've been through and she said um, that it's all the same hormones racing around and it's very common to have a bit of a um, you know a, a situation where it rears its head again so I chose to go back on my antidepressants so that also I could then know that I'd enjoy having Lockie as a newborn mm-hmm. um, and that really put my mind at rest so I went into that you know special time of having a newborn with my second as actually a really precious time and I enjoyed every moment of it knowing that I wasn't sort of waiting for postnatal depression to rear its head because I had that base covered third pregnancy um I am still on a low dose of my antidepressants a very low dose which obviously I made sure that I spoke to doctors like Kiara and my local doctor in Edinburgh about um, being on them, you know, whilst pregnant. And both of them said, you know, it's it's much better that you've got a healthy state of mind. Yeah. Um, and the I think the science behind it is uh, is fine to be yeah, on absolutely. them. Absolutely. And 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 as I said at the beginning, you know, there are a, a group of antidepressants that are extensively studied and shown to be very safe in throughout pregnancy yeah. uh, and and with breastfeeding. So yeah. I think if you need them, yeah, uh, then it's so important to take them. Exactly. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I'm still on them. I also go and speak to Dr. Catherine Hollins now, who's um, a psychiatrist who I've been seeing for the last year, who I find it's is incredibly helpful with the way I'm feeling, how I approach parenthood. You know, it's just 
I, I love the sessions for many reasons, not just for my own mental state of my mental health. Actually, uh, that's that's so important because like, we talked about the treatment options um, and psychological treatments often go hand in hand with uh, with medication. It's not it doesn't have to be one or the other. Sometimes if you haven't got a particularly severe form of postnatal depression, then just the psychological treatments can 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 work. But I always say to my patients, if you're on medication, we should always go hand in hand with psychological treatment because um, it's it's otherwise a bit of a sticking plaster. And sometimes you take come off the medication, you haven't learned the tools that you need to to cope. So I would absolutely agree with that. And I think that it you feel like you've got. Well, I personally feel like I've got a much more of a sort of structure in place now. So who knows how I feel after the birth of this baby? Probably a little bit more tired, um, <laughs> but hopefully mentally stronger than I have done with my last two. And so I'm kind of, you know, I feel like I'm just ready for every eventuality now, um, rather than going into the unknown, which it does feel like with your first baby. And what, I mean, other than the treatments we've talked about, what what, are, what sort of tips do you give people when they call you up and ask for advice about how to how to manage in, the, in that early period? You know, bearing in mind that hopefully a lot of people won't need to be on medication or might not even yeah. have depression in the first place. Do you have do you have tips that you give them? Yeah, I say, um, well, I guess the, the thing that really got me was this feeling that I couldn't cope and that I always needed to be with somebody. So I always say, you know, call on your family, call on your friends. I'll never forget calling mum saying, Mum, I need you down here for a few days just to bridge the gap when Harry's back at work and before, I think it was before my sister was coming over to stay. Um, and I kept on apologising that I was making her cancel her whole life and <laughs> come down and be with me. And she just said, darling, you know, when Tilly's older, you wait. You know, she'll, if she calls on you in tears and says, can you come be with me, you will be there. Like, there's nothing nicer than knowing that you're needed in these situations yeah. because it is hard to know yeah. how to help people. Yeah. Um, so I always just say, surround yourself with friends, family. If you need to have someone with you at all times, do it. Like and that's going to make you if better. If you don't have that resource, you know there are. There's so much in the community. Yes, you know, there are. Uh, obviously, that I talked about, sort of online communities, but also postnatal exercise groups. There's yes. uh, coffee mornings with local mums. There's you know yoga classes. There's community. The most community centres have drop-ins that you can come with your baby and just having a cup of coffee with a mother who's in the same place as you exactly. um, in terms of your baby is is it's often enough help. that's just someone to be with yeah and to talk to and yeah and actually you mentioned exercise we know that exercise um, sort of regular exercise is as effective as a low dose of antidepressants and in many cases that's not going to be enough to kick it but no. presumably incorporating that into whatever treatment you are having whether it's, it's talking treatments or or antidepressants is yes. only going to be a good thing absolutely and it can be you know pilates yoga it can be something that you can try at home if you haven't got anybody to look after your baby but it can even um, be going to the park, to the park with park. your tracksuit bottoms on and just yeah. you know walking briskly around the park yes. you know, getting a bit of a sweat up yes you know, it doesn't have to be there there are as I said there's lots of, sort of buggy fitness classes you can yeah. do a few lunges as you push yeah. your hand <laughs> and I think actually getting out into the fresh air I think there definitely is science behind getting out seeing the leaves on the trees daylight yeah. you know hopefully yeah. a glimmer of sunshine yeah. all of that really helps and, and, and I suppose it's because some people might be listening to this thinking yes I know that's what I need to do but I, I, but can't, I can't get there and that's the, the that's the group of people that need to seek help particularly because yes. often you need the treatment to be able to get to a place where you actually can go out and exercise because yes before then it can be or seem impossible totally and I, I remember some advice you gave me actually which was just try and get to the end of the street and post a letter and get home again like that's all you have to tackle 
you know when you're feeling up to doing that mm-hmm. you don't have to get any further but it, yeah. it does it feels completely like you're you're caged at home yeah. because you just don't have the sort of um, confidence to get out. Yeah, well, I was going to say, does it affect your confidence? Because, I mean, I think a lot of parent new mothers, their confidence is affected even if they don't have postnatal depression. I can only imagine what it's like if you then do have all these emotional yeah. worries. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think we go, you know, we expect so much of ourselves in society. Most of us come out of jobs where we've had a lot of control um, and, you know, organisation and, and all of that just, disappears when you have a baby we lose control essentially and we expect that we won't and I think you have to allow yourself to lose control um, because you will get control back again just in a very different um, respect and diet we mentioned is you know eating well again you know green juices aren't going to cure the world but at the same time actually having a healthy diet especially at a time when you're working really hard you're awake for way more hours of the day than you're probably used to your body having produced a child is now often producing breast milk as well and it's at a time when we're so sort of time poor and energy deficient that we often end up eating like hobnobs for lunch exactly. uh, which isn't ideal because it does have an impact doesn't it, it on what you eat absolutely does I think a healthy diet should really be the the basis the basis that we build on to make ourselves that much healthier and that much stronger filling your freezer um, as full as you possibly can before you have the baby I think that definitely sort of got me through knowing that I had healthy meals for myself and, and consequently for my my children um, and my husband mm. and that's um, a great thing to do to prepare because again if you get to a point where you are suffering with postnatal depression you you, ca- you, you cannot cook you cannot no. motivate yourself to actually eat healthily you don't really care no yeah and actually if you have hobnobs for lunch you, you won't give it a second thought it's no. because you're in that state of mind yeah um, and that's uh, so that's a good tip to sort of again as a prevention to try and sort of get yeah. prepare with healthy food that's just in the freezer yeah and keep your keep your gut healthy because i think that serotonin is produced from when yeah. you've got a healthy gut and that obviously puts us in a good place mentally yeah. so um yeah. yeah and this has been your focus on you know since having children and since you know getting on top of postnatal depression you you run cookery workshops don't you for parents I do yes so um we've just made a move from London to Edinburgh where I'm in the middle of relaunching uh Cook with Rosie where I am trying to help parents on that journey of feeding themselves and their families well with you know on a on a budget um when they're time short and essentially giving them achievable recipes that are delicious that the whole family can enjoy uh meanwhile not making you tear your hair out with complicated recipes and shopping lists and you know just trying to facilitate things for parents nowadays because I do believe that cooking has become um it's become an area where we we there's such there's such a strong market for convenience food now um and actually I feel like it's time that we just scale back to really how our mothers cooked and our grandmothers cooked um cooking using a little less meat more vegetables shopping locally and seasonally seasonally is so important because the seasonal fruit and veg are giving us the vitamins that we need at those particular times of year so yes workshops launching in edinburgh very soon and and having a meal together yes that's actually something that people don't have in such an important way to model behavior for us parents you know sitting at the table with no distraction no screens yeah and even amongst a couple sitting down and having a conversation you know that in itself is great for your mental health it really is and i think um we all have that stage of uh flopping on the sofa at the end of the day 
and thinking, let's just have telly on our knees. But actually sitting around a table with your husband or partner at the end of the day is a really good time to talk about how the day has been, you know, if if it's been a struggle, if it's been a good day. And likewise, trying to fit that in with your children occasionally, lunch times or weekends. Just, you know, it's a convivial experience. And I think we need to work to improve that in homes nowadays. Mm. Kiara, are we, should we only be talking about women when it comes to postnatal depression? Is there a chance that men get postnatal depression? I mean, they definitely get a shock, I think, when the baby's born, especially with the first one, and they think, oh, this is not quite as chilled as I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, but but can, can fathers get so, postnatal yeah, depression? I mean, actually, they can. And, you know, there is a, a, a group of fathers of parents who have been diagnosed where the man has been diagnosed with postnatal depression. And, it, you know, it does overlap with what we call an adjustment disorder, where people you know, having a baby is a shock to the system, not not just physically for the woman, but also emotionally for both parents, because everything changes and nothing can prepare you for those changes until you actually have the baby. So absolutely, fathers can experience the same symptoms of postnatal dis- depression as women. And there are also hormone triggers that can go hand in hand with 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 those emotions. Um, and uh, and they should be seeking help in exactly the same way as women. I mean, it is it is definitely less much less common in fathers. Um, although the kind of the emotional shock is probably much of a muchness with with both both um both partners and we talked about groups who are slightly more at risk um from getting postnatal depression one group i slightly worry about always are the mothers who've really struggled to conceive and then they're finally pregnant and they feel that their life should now be perfect and i think they often put a huge amount of pressure on themselves Mm. um, and then feel more guilty when they're not loving every minute which you know my book is an inevitability of being a mother you're not going to love every moment like you're not going to love every moment of life but is it do you think that maybe this group who just feel that they should be so blessed and aren't necessarily feeling it do you think they're maybe slightly more at yeah, risk yeah i think or? i mean I think they certainly are more at risk but i think the bottom line is that parenting is hard however you've conceived and uh that the emotions that go with it are are rocky yeah. and um if you set yourself up to fail you're more likely to fail so i think however you've conceived um you need to understand that it's difficult and it won't be perfect and some days you'll be unhappy and hate being a parent and that doesn't make you a bad parent and yeah. no matter how how longed for this baby is because you still love your child and you're yeah. still doing a fantastic job even though you may not be loving every minute of it no i think there are kind of blips in the road throughout parenthood and whether you have trouble conceiving or a you know tricky sort of experience just having given birth or you know a tricky toddler or a teenager like throughout parenthood there are hurdles um but I think you come out of them that little bit stronger yeah definitely so I think because it's one of because personal depression is one of those things that we don't probably talk about enough. There's probably loads of myths, and certainly my understanding of postnatal depression has changed hugely since um, doing the bump class and, and doing these podcasts. So I thought I'd just go over through you know some of the myths just to sort of debunk them. Um, so starting off that it's not very common. Well, I mean that's obviously a myth. There is you know one in ten women, probably more. I mean there are some some studies quote one in one in five to one in six women, mm-hmm. um, will have have symptoms of postnatal depression. So it's actually extremely common. It's something we should all prepare for. Yeah, and I, I mean I read that you know one study said that as many as fifteen percent, only fifteen percent of mothers suffering from postnatal depression actually sought professional yeah. help. So and the one in ten is people who've support sought professional help. So fifteen mm. percent, if that's only fifteen percent of the actual population suffering, that's um, it means that most people. People have have an element of those sort of symptoms. Yeah. 
And the reason that people then potentially don't seek professional help is because they think, oh, it'll go away on its own. Well, and mild postnatal depression, if you implement the right kind of um, lifestyle changes or support networks around, you can go away on its own. Mm. Because if it's if it's mild and you think, okay, I'm not feeling right, and your mother says, okay, I'm coming to stay for a bit, and this is what you need you to do, and makes you go out every day and makes you eat well, then that that, yeah. that could be enough for a very mild case of postnatal depression. But you know, for those who need who need more formal treatment they're going to have to obviously go and see the doctor and talk about it yeah and and it's definitely worth if you're worried going to see someone because you know the impact is not just on your enjoyment of your life you know it will impact your whole family family, won't it and that's so important to remember because people often think oh i'm feeling really selfish because this is all about me and my emotions and and i'll say to them you know it's not because actually you getting you better will make you a better mother will make your child have a much more positive experience of your mothering Mm -hmm. and will improve your relationship with every everyone who's close to you from your partner to your family to your friends yeah. and it's so important to get you back yeah definitely because I think it can manifest itself if you don't treat it you know and as you say whether that's just treating it by implementing the mm. necessary kind of lifestyle changes then great but I but I do think it's always worth seeking help no, and I, I I often see women who might be presenting to me in their second or third pregnancy for the first time with postnatal depression that they've actually when we really dig into it have had since their first baby was born which might be five or six or seven or eight years ago and that's really so really upsetting to see that because they've they've struggled for that long um, without any support and that's really yeah. difficult um i think probably another myth you know is in, in terms of the symptoms i remember thinking postnatal depression is when you want to kill your child which you know is obviously an extreme version of it but that mm. is not the only symptom is it no absolutely i mean i discussed right at the beginning the whole host of symptoms that you can get and it, it doesn't it also doesn't mean you have to be in tears the whole time although no. very often you are but not everyone is as i said it might be this overwhelming sense of anxiety or panic you know getting panic attacks it might just be becoming very antisocial becoming um numb a bit people of a, say you yeah. know they just don't feel any emotions or very angry mm. and upset which isn't you mm. so it's um it's definitely not uh, you know it's definitely not wanting to kill your child and and, and people have, do have scary thoughts even with moderate postnatal depression you might well have scary thoughts that mm. doesn't mean you're going to act on them and that's really important actually to explain to mothers because if they have scary thoughts they think I can't tell anyone because they'll take my child away from me yeah. and that's not the case you know that's a common symptom of, of, of moderate to severe postnatal depression that that is treated when the when the treatment uh, is instigated yeah. Um, and then in terms of timing, people think that it happens sort of in the first half of that first year. I mean, it can hit at any point, can't it? Any any point in the first year, basically, after a baby's born, it is most most common in the first six months. Um, but for some people, they're fine. And then it rears its head sort of in sort of nine, ten months stage. Yeah, which must be really frightening as well, because yeah. you sort of you feel like you're out of that zone of yeah. Yeah. sleepless nights or, you know, whatever it may be to suddenly then feel like you're spiraling out of control. I yeah. think it would be terrifying yeah i think possibly the most damaging myth in all this is that feeling that it is a woman's fault it's your own fault i mean is that something that you had to contend with rosie no i guess only from myself thinking i can't believe i'm not coping um but certainly i didn't feel that from anyone else um, and I, you know, I think everybody is just hugely sympathetic to yeah, and supportive and supportive. But I think it's very yeah. common for women to feel guilty that yes. they're feeling like this. Yes, and 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 enforcing the the, the fact that it is an illness. Yeah. as lots of other things are an illness high blood pressure you can't see it yeah but it's dangerous and yeah. postnatal depression you can't see it but it can affect uh, you and everyone else around you yeah you know, fundamentally 
Um, so Kiara, if, if there are people listening to this and they're worried that they have might have postnatal depression, or if you, you know someone's listening to this and some someone they love might have postnatal depression, what what do you do? What what's the first sort of protocol? So I think the very fact that you're listening to the podcast is a positive step because it means maybe there is uh, an inkling that that things might not be not, might not be right, um, which is brilliant because you can then start taking the steps to to help. So by all means, look online. Have there's some fantastic resources online to to sort of help you sort of demystify the whole the whole illness and sort of work out whether this might be something you've got or not um there is a, a, a fantastic website which is association of postnatal illness which is apni apni which has some great information on it there's a pandas p-a-n-d-a-s which is a postnatal sort of telephone support line where you can call and speak to someone who will you know understand a lot about what you're going through and they also provide local support groups uh, for pregnant women who are depressed or postnatal de- uh, depression and the website tommy's the charity's got some great information um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, sort of even on Twitter and Instagram, if you put the hashtags of PND uh, chat, there's lots of there's lots of support there. But I think if you are worried, if you're listening to this and you're worried that this might be you in, right now, then the most important thing is to talk about it. The most important thing is to either speak to a friend or someone in your family about how you're feeling, and then together make a plan about how you're going to make that appointment to see the doctor or the or the local midwife or uh, someone in your community and go forward with a treatment plan and get you better because the bottom line is you will get better everybody with postnatal depression gets better you just need to get the right support yeah yeah so the hardest thing is really admitting it in yeah. the first place mm-hmm. well, and like Rosie step. said you know you, you said that you know actually making that appointment yeah. um was was sort of the, the hardest thing and the biggest thing yeah it really was and I think there's just a huge sense of relief that I hope most people will get if they're in the situation that once you've got a health professional on side you know that mm. you're on the road to recovery mm. and you do feel better mm. and life does become normal again and enjoyable yeah well, this is amazing. Thank you both for such a, an honest and helpful chat. Rosie, I salute you for having the guts to talk honestly about your experience. Um, I know that there'll be people listening to this who will be inspired to seek help thanks to your honesty. And also be honest cool. about their, you know, to their friends about their reality. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, um, if you want to um, follow Rosie on social media, Facebook and Instagram, you're um, at Cook With Rosie. And uh, even if you're not sort of local to Edinburgh, there's lots of resources online about how to sort of be, cook healthily we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the parenthood this podcast is continuing to grow in a way Kiara and I can't quite believe and that's thanks to you dear listeners please continue to subscribe rate and review us and of course share the word amongst your friends some of our best subjects have come from you so please let us know if there's anything you'd like to discuss you can get hold of us by commenting on my Instagram feed it's at marina.fogel or you can email us at info at thebumpclass.com but in the meantime, Kiara, thanks so much for coming along and chatting about postnatal depression. Um, but from Rosie, Kiara and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.